you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Socially distancing away from the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. And uh, seeing reports that that maybe mid-June we could have like full contact camp. That, that's that's reason for optimism, right? We haven't had a lot of that. Well, I guess we're having more. It is. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be as optimistic as I possibly can mm-hmm. um, right now because, I mean, we need sports back. It was great to see the match. You know, we talked about that uh, earlier in the week. Right. It was really good to see that. NASCAR, I know there was NASCAR races. I just, I, I, the I'm not into, just, it's, not into it's, NASCAR. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely uh, not my, not my thing, but it's good to start seeing sports come back. And I believe in Japan, are they bringing back baseball here very shortly with no fans? So, and maybe baseball is going to be back. Well, I mean, anything at this point, anything at this point. They're like, a whole we'll, we'll slow take, baseball, but yeah, right. yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, we'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. I've been watching a little bit of the Bundesliga. I do enjoy soccer, so I've been watching a little bit of Bundesliga. I have not claimed a side yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll if I'll go that far, but it's been fun to See, watch. I'm Italian, and I feel like I, I let the Italian people down because I'm just not into soccer. <laughs> you don't, you don't watch it I'm, just not, I'm just not <laughs> into it, man. Like I, like I have a lot of my best friends are like diehards, man. They love soccer. I just can't get into it. Like hockey and soccer, I never got. I I, I will go to a hockey game because it's so much fun to watch hockey live. Is fun in person, yes. I'm just not into it. Like since the Whalers left Hartford years and years ago, I just stopped watching. Yeah, no, hockey's a lot more fun in person. I can sort of watch it on TV. I will say that I because I'm a, a noob when it comes to hockey. Like I didn't really get all that offended when Fox had the glow puck all those years ago. I was like, <laughs> hey, I can see where it is. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but again, I, I admit that I'm I'm definitely a noob when it comes to hockey. So whatever. Um, we've been talking positional breakdowns over the last few days. We will finish it today with our look at the tight ends. Uh, I mean, by the now, if you've been listening, you know how this thing's going to work. So we'll go over the guys who are overhyped, maybe underhyped, uh, hyped appropriately. If that's uh, a thing, we'll see. <laughs> um, but <laughs> before we do that, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, we were talking about Georgetown football on Tuesday. And uh, you, I guess, have forgotten that you actually watched the Georgetown football game. I yeah, we were talking about it. And then uh, after the show was wrapping up, I was like, let me just text my brother. Be like, did you did you play Georgetown? He my brother. So he first started at um, at FAU, tried to walk on it and then realized, like, this is not going to happen because there's like legitimate <laughs> NFL guys uh, coming from that school and, and especially their their competition. So then he um, he transferred to Maris and played there and uh, they did schedule Georgetown uh, a, a few times. And he was like, yeah, they came to Maris and you were at one of the Maris games. So I'm glad you. Uh, remembered uh, uh, seeing a play, so I I messed up. Uh, <laughs> hand up, I forgot. I, I did see a, a, a you know a, a fair amount of his games, um, so I, I slipped up. I forgot one of them, but yeah, he did play the Hoyas uh, at some point a few years back. All right, cool. yeah, I mean, I, I just automatically uh, you know 
tie basketball to Georgetown oh, just course, from course. years yeah. and years of watching Big East basketball. So yeah, if you're Absolutely. a Knicks fan, Pat Ewing, I mean, it's like, it's all, that's all I think about. Dude, I, mean, dude, I remember, I, I remember back in the day, like, remember Joey Brown and, and Georgetown always would have Joey Brown went to Georgetown for like 23 years. I think you remember the point guard, <laughs> but they always had the big centers, right? They had Dikembe Mutombo. They had Alonzo Mourning. Yep. They had Patrick Ewing. Yep. Um, they had a fella Harrington. I think Roy, for, Roy Hibbert, was it Roy Hibbert? What was his name? Yeah. Roy Hibbert. In the, in the, uh, for the Indiana Pacers. Yep, they had, it was Roy Hibbert. It was always like a, a big time center that went to Georgetown. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was that was you know my childhood watching kind of Georgetown basketball. Uh, I mean, it's it's weird now, like looking back, there are programs that were huge when I was a kid that have fought. Like Georgetown was one. Uh, UNLV was like the biggest thing in the world when I was like 12 yes. or 13 years old. Yeah, um, Syracuse had a big time program. They right. always did well. Ronnie Cycli, I mean, remember him? The Big East was, I mean, it was the Big East in a lot of ways sort of helped build ESPN too, because I mean, they, they went all in on Big East basketball and obviously those teams are very good and it helped drive their coverage and it, it helped build their network. I mean, having those Georgetown Syracuse games, having, you know, Seton Hall, remember Seton Hall, Seton Hall I basketball. Do remember, you remember Terry DeHair? Yeah. Yeah. yeah dude, I, uh, dude, I remember Seton Hall. Um, Cause I grew up in Connecticut, which right. ironically, I hate the basketball program because I was always a North Carolina <laughs> fan and all my friends in Connecticut rooted for other schools until UConn got good People don't even remember. Go look up Sam Perno. He was the head coach of the Yukon Huskies before uh, Jim Calhoun took over, mm-hmm. and they were not good, and nobody paid any attention <laughs> to them. And then you had then you had Calhoun came in, and like you know they had Tate George, and then they had that one run uh, mm-hmm. with that with that ridiculous game they had against Clemson. And remember Eldon Campbell, who Eldon played for Campbell the Lakers. Against Clemson. Yep, against Cle- so, Clemson. Yeah. I dude, I remember I went Scotty Burrell, like all I remember all those teams back in the day, only because I rooted against them. And everyone was like, You're from Connecticut, you should root. No, I've rooted for North Carolina since 1982, and I'm not jumping off the bandwagon like a bunch of my friends are. Sorry, that's just uh, yeah, me getting <sighs> yeah. I never thought I'd go down a big east basketball wormhole, but uh, I don't know, man, but, but it's awesome, dude. Yeah, but here we are. Here yep. we are. Um, Notre Dame at one Notre Dame was in the Big East as well. Big remember, East, right? Remember who was the point guard that had Rivers? You remember Rivers? That I can't remember his first name. I do, and I can't remember. I, I want to say was, Doc, and I know it's not Doc. It's obviously. not Doc, but he was so David Rivers. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There he you go. Really good. Okay, All right, let's, yeah. let's talk football. Come on. All right, let's talk some football. Um. <laughs> One of the bigger stories uh, the last few days reports that there are there is a competition brewing. This is not a this part's not a surprise. A competition brewing between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. But now there is some thought that either of them, both of them, uh, could end up starting games for the Bears. I mean, Faz, we always sort of groan about running back competitions. Mm-hmm. A quarterback, a quarterback committee seems like maybe the worstest thing ever. Dude, but you know that's good. Listen, there's no way Nick Foles is going to start 16 games. There's no way Trubisky is going to start 16. True. It's going to be some sort of mix. Foles is not, you know, he hasn't been the most durable dude in the world uh, outside of, you know, and, and honestly, like from a production standpoint outside of Philadelphia, what's he done? Like nothing. Right. So they're both going to start games. It, there's no way that one or the other is going to start 16 games for the Bears next season. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think in terms of certainly what their their potential is, the obviously you know, injury is always a, a situation, is always a risk for every player, but especially for those two guys. Um, I'll say this: last week I tweeted something about Carson Wentz, and I got a lot of people in my mentions. I don't know if they were trolls or bots or what, but people basically saying that you know 
Wentz is 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 not great, and Nick Foles was the engine behind those Eagles teams, the ones that won, you know, the one that won the Super Bowl and what have you. And I'm like, wait, are we are we talking about the same Nick Foles? I mean, like he was great in the postseason, he was great in the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. let's not forget, aside from the 27 interception or 27 touchdown, two interception season. Yeah, what has Nick Foles ever really offered us across a, a full season of games? Yeah, if we're talking fantasy, he had that great year, twenty-seven and two. That's just tremendous. But real football, like okay, yeah, I mean, he, he got the Eagles the uh, the Super Bowl in what was a tremendous game. But other than that, you know, this is a fantasy podcast. In fantasy, Nick Foles had had one good season. That was it. And that was not, it. Let's not forget, even with the Super Bowl season, I mean, Carson Wentz was balling out. And he got hurt. He MVP. Remember, he he had right. that awful knee injury against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, he he was an MVP candidate. He was having a great season. He got hurt, and then Foles took them the rest of the way. So let's not pretend like yes. you know, Carson Wentz has never performed at a high level uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, although I was, I will finish by saying I still hope it's Nick Foles because I think it just works out better for Allen Robinson and and Anthony Miller. And that's and, all and, what we want. That's, that's all I really care about. Exactly. Sorry, sorry, Bears fans. That's that's all I really care about. Um, all right. Let's turn our attention to tight ends as we finish up our positional previews right now. Uh, and it is the same as ever. The top five tight ends from last year. Uh, no real surprise. Travis Kelsey at the top. George Kittle right behind him. Darren Waller, uh, who was a huge breakout this past year. Mm-hmm. He's third. Zach Ertz four. Mark Andrews uh, is at number five. Tight end. I think when you talk about the top two guys, I think you know they're they're pretty steady. The rest of it seems sort of volatile. Um, so so which one of those guys or all of those guys? I mean, do we replace the you know most of the top five, part of the top five, none of the top five? How does that happen this year? Kelsey and Kittle are not dropping out of the top five outside of injuries. Um, right. I feel like Andrews is a pretty good bet to be in the top five again. Mm-hmm. So Ertz with the with the presence of Dallas Goddard, with the additions they made through the draft, they drafted three wide receivers, including Jalen Ramsey, uh, uh, Jalen Rager, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I could see him dropping out of the top five, just not very, not very not far. Mm-hmm. So if I had to replace Ertz, it'd probably be with a guy like Hunter Henry, who will have a full season, we hope, uh, as a very uh, integral part of that Chargers offense, especially if if it's Justin Herbert under center for any extended period of time, because. You know, that tight end is always a good security blanket. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, like if Evan Ingram could, and I love Evan, if he could ever avoid injuries, he's he's got top five potential. He does. He'd be, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what the Rams do because they, you know, they ran so much 11 for, you know, the first half of the season. And then they right. went so much 12 in the second half of the season. I don't know where they're going in terms of 2020 with their, with their personnel formations. But Higby's Higby's production over the last what four or five weeks of last season is not sustainable over sixteen games. So, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I could see Waller dropping out too. I don't think Gronkowski's going to be in the top five because I just don't feel like right. He's not the same guy, and and this is probably the most talented offense he's he's maybe ever played in in terms of the, the Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. and I mean the other two tight ends would break and, and OJ Howard. So I don't know that Gronk would would break up into there. So I'd say Henry. Ingram, maybe Higby, maybe Higby. We'll see. But if there's – and maybe we'll save this for a little bit later on the show, but there's a couple of guys that I feel like could really surprise. Like Darren Waller really surprised us. We liked him in the preseason, but not as a top five guy. Right. There's a couple of guys I feel like could surprise. We'll yeah. 
definitely about that. Uh, that boys and girls is called a tease. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for a little bit more. I, I will say this. I, I do think Darren Waller falls out of the top five. I think partially because, I mean, obviously they add Henry Ruggs. And I still think Hunter Renfro kind of lurking around there is a guy who maybe gobbles up a few more targets and, 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 and hurts Waller's overall value a little bit. I mean, look, the, the Raiders knew in the offseason that they needed more pass catchers. I mean, they went out and drafted three receivers or three pass catchers uh, that, that they could add to their offense. So they knew they needed to do something because they, this offense just could not survive throwing the ball to Darren Waller as much as they did last year. So I could definitely see him fall out. I'm with you on, on Ertz possibly dropping a couple more spots because the Eagles will try to spread it around. And look, last year, their wide receiver core was so banged up that that they yeah. you know, look Ertz is, is a very good player, but they also sort of had to funnel him targets out of necessity because there just weren't guys healthy on the field to throw the football to. So if they can keep guys healthy, that will certainly impact uh, Zach Ertz as well. So uh, if if those guys are out, uh, you mentioned Evan Ingram is a guy who is a guy who can come in. Hunter Henry is a guy who could come in. We'll see what happens with, with Tyler Higby. Uh, I'm. Uh, Top five seems a little bit much for Hayden Hurst, but I'm very much in on him this year. Uh, now that he's that gone to Atlanta, names I was going to mention. Yes. Now that he's mm-hmm. gone to Atlanta, I'm in on her. I think top five might be reaching just a touch. Um, I, I I hesitate to say this name, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh-uh. What do we think about Jared Cook? Because he just sort of <laughs> hangs around and hangs around, and then he'll have one or two like really huge games. Um, you know, and look, he's he's not in a bad situation there in New Orleans. I mean, I know he's an older player, uh, definitely on the, the backside of his career, but he's in a good situation where he can get a lot of targets there in New Orleans. Yeah, he is. I, I'm always – and, you know, Jared Cook has been a, a very good fantasy tight end for the last two seasons, uh, sort of in the second half of last season he was tremendous. And then in that year with the Raiders, uh, with Derek Carr throwing him the ball so much. So I don't know about top five, though. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, maybe I'm just scarred from years of liking him in Tennessee and St. Louis and he freaking burn me. That's fair. That's possible. That's fair. But um, That would be a tough one for me. Like you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I really like him. You know, you've got nearly a hundred available targets with Austin Hooper now in Cleveland. So Atlanta's going to throw the football to the tight ends, Tony Gonzalez and Hooper, you know, the offense is conducive. The tight ends putting up some pretty good numbers. But Mike Kosicki is another guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about top five. I don't know about top five, but Mike Kosicki, I mean, that dude threw the ball over his house, ran through the garage, caught the pass, and then took it to the house. <laughs> In this case, was his neighbor's driveway for right. the score. <laughs> and nobody ran more routes out of the slot at the tight end position than Kosicki did last season. So, like, the opportunities are going to be there. He was always utilized down in the red zone. Uh, he ran, he was, I think, sixth or seventh in terms of routes run in the red zone among tight ends. There's some upside there, too. Yeah, I think there's definitely some a lot of upside there. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that, that as you saw the year go along, uh, he was running more and more routes per game, too, as the season went on. So they were expanding his role within the offense. Mm-hmm. And look, they got Chan Gailey there now. And, and he does not mind throwing the football around. I know he tends to put a lot of wide receivers on the field. But maybe when you've got a talented a uh, big tight end like Gasicki, maybe you start to involve him a little bit more in that offense. Shane well. Gailey, former head coach of my former, Cowboys. Cowboy head coach. That's right. That's um, right. So again, I always say this, I always preface this by saying, I know that everybody gets talked about at this point in the, in the off season, but mm-hmm. is there a guy that maybe isn't being talked about enough ha- has sort of slid under the radar if that's possible at this point? So I, I, I feel like Hayden Hurst, that the, there's, 
people are catching on to him. Mm-hmm. I feel like Blake Jarwin is a name that I like because, right. I mean, let's be honest, you know, Witten, Witten, uh, you know, was a top 11 tight end last year. Right? Wild, which is and Blake Jarwin wild. is Blake Jarwin's, he's a talented guy. They gave him a pretty decent contract, gave $24 million. So mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Smith in Tennessee with uh, Delaney Walker uh, now longer in the mix. I mean, Johnny Smith last year, uh, he showed some flashes that he could do some things. Ian Thomas in Carolina with Greg mm-hmm. Olson uh, now in Seattle. Chris Herndon and, and you know, I remember like Ryan Griffin sort of came on last year and was actually useful before he got hurt. But Chris Herndon, his stock had started to rise a little bit, Marcus, and then he yeah. got injured and then yep. everything kind of like fell apart. But if he's healthy, uh, he has a rapport with Sam Darnold. And then there's that guy in Green Bay as the deep sleeper. Jason Sternberger. 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 Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, right? No, I no. – I, okay, you're not in and out. I get it. But, like, I mean, somebody, <laughs> somebody's got to bring in snaps in Green Bay at the tight end position, and Jimmy Graham's in Chicago for $9 million or whatever oh. it is. So, Sternberger, I mean, I think he's worth, like, a late flyer, don't you? I think he's definitely worth a late flyer. Yeah, uh, I, feel it, like the, I feel like – and maybe this is this is you know, part of, of Packer Nation, uh, especially on Twitter. I feel like every year there are like there's a guy or two that Packers fans, like, really – kind of grab hold to emotionally and and you know try to convince us that this is the guy like for years it was it was Jeff Janice right remember all those years oh, yeah. that Jeff yep. Janice was going to be the big thing and that that never really happened I think he caught one of the the Hail Marys that that uh yeah that Aaron I, think you're right. I think you're right yeah I, I think he caught a, a Hail Mary touchdown <laughs> once uh yes Jeff Janice was one I think Jay Sternberger is probably the the next one that I'm like eh, I I can't quite jump on um I think the thing that you mentioned – oh, the other thing, you mentioned Chris Herndon. Mm-hmm. Have the Jets ever had a tight end? Like ever? Um, well, they've had a lot of tight ends. They haven't been I mean, have, they ever, have they ever had I one like, that's actually relevant for fans? I feel like the last one – God, maybe it's – it might be – it might be like Chase Amaro. Remember him? Like he, <sighs> but even he that was drafted and, and, and people were relevant. Like, Justin Keller is another guy, right? He played for the Jets too. Yeah, and, yeah. But he didn't really do anything. Um. Hell, I used to do a radio show in South Florida way back when I worked for CBS Sportsline with Johnny Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Johnny Mitchell. I remember Johnny Mitchell. I remember. I think he was a first-round pick out of, like, Nebraska or Mm -hmm. or one of those schools. Nebraska. I think it might have been Nebraska. Um, I'd have to look that up. But, yeah, he was, like, highly touted and really didn't sort of do much in the NFL. But, yeah, the Jets and the Cardinals, they're – Fantasy tight ends have been an absolute Just barren wasteland for forever. Yeah. Like, I think right. Freddie Jones was like the last decent tight end that came out of Arizona. You know, remember Freddie Jones? He played I for do. the San Diego Chargers, yep. and then he ended up in uh, Arizona for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, Johnny Mitchell, you were correct. Went to Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, okay. But yeah, the the Jets, they just it feels like they have punted on tight end, and the Cardinals have punted on tight end pretty much the, the better part of of my lifetime. Um, yes. I, yes. I will say that a lot of the names you mentioned too, and I like you know guys like Blake Jarwin, I'm definitely in on. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, if if Eric Ebron can sort of rekindle that magic from a couple of seasons ago, now that he's in Pittsburgh. But the upside for a lot of these guys is. You don't actually have to spend draft capital on some of these guys. I mean, I feel like a lot of these guys may be out there when the draft is over that you can just grab off the waiver wire and and plug in if necessary. Or if you do have to draft them, you're literally talking tail end of the draft. So uh, there's a lot of upside here for some of these guys. 
uh, without a lot of the risk that you would take in trying to have to acquire, uh, you know, what is would be more of a, a valuable uh, piece to, to put on your roster. So uh, on the flip side, are, go ahead. No, no. And, and I would say, too, that, I mean, every year there's a couple of tight ends that sort of slip under the radar and get drafted late and just bust out like Mark Andrews didn't slip under the radar. I think we were all on him, but he didn't cost you a lot of draft capital last year. Right. I mean, so that it always happens every single year. It's just sort of picking out which, which guys are going to be in that category in 2020. Right. Uh, I feel like we do have a generally good handle on drafting tight ends and their, their draft value, but are there guys that you're seeing right now that maybe are going earlier than you would have expected? So, I, I still am not like I see Gronkowski going a little bit. Wrong. I'm like, oh, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Gronkowski, I understand. He didn't play football last year. And, you know, he's got two other guys in that offense that at that position that can do some things. So Austin Hooper's another one where I really liked him last year. But I mean, a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland. And so w- with Higby, it just he's one of the hardest guys for me to like project. Mm-hmm. because are the Rams going to go back to running predominantly in 11, uh, 11 without Brandon cooks? I mean, I think, right. they're, I think they're heading more towards doing more of the 12 formation. So yeah. that would be a good thing for Tyler Higby. Maybe not a great thing for Cooper cup, but like Higby people see what he did at the end of last season. And they're just like drooling it. It's just like, wow, this guy's amazing. I got to get, I feel like you need to tap the brakes a little bit on him. This dude was averaging over 20 fantasy points a game for like a four or five game stretch. That doesn't happen. It's, just, it's unfathomable. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kelsey, Kelsey and Kittle were the two top guys last year and they were averaging right around 15. Right. So what sort of dramatic drop in terms of the numbers will Higby experience that people are all about what have you done for me lately? And sort of, you know, when, when, when a guy comes out and helps you win a fantasy football league, which Higby, I'm sure certainly did to a lot of people. You know, they want to grab onto that guy the following season. And I feel like maybe he's going a little bit too high as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with with Rob Gronkowski. This will be the first time we've seen him play professional football as a 30 year old. Uh, he just turned yeah. he just turned 31 two weeks ago. Uh, obviously, he sat out all of last year, which would have been his age 30 season. We have not seen him play at the age of 30. I, I know that. 30 years old is not the death knell for tight ends that it used to be for running backs. Although I feel like for running backs now, that number has dropped to like 27 or something like that, 27, yeah. 28. Um, but, you know, time marches on. And, and how is it going to impact Gronk? We don't know. We're going to find that out for uh, for the first time when we finally and, see and him yeah. step on the field. And the last time we saw Gronkowski, he was not a great fantasy tight end. He was he not. 47 catches. He had 682 yards. He had three touchdowns. I mean, he yeah. wasn't great at all. Oh, like, so hell father time comes for us all, unless you're Frank Gore. Right. So that's another part of the reason why uh, Gronkowski's ADP. I, well, I guess it's fair because of who he is. I don't know that he's going to produce the numbers that you're, that you're hoping for. Yeah. I think that's, that's sort of the thing with it right there. So you kind of got into it a little bit with the guys that are, that are hardest to project. You mentioned uh, Tyler Higby being one of them. I, I would think that, the Buccaneers kind of as a whole, I think, slot into that for me, right? Because Gronk seems to be the frontline guy, right? You don't bring in a guy like Rob Gronkowski, especially to appease your big-time free agent signing veteran quarterback and not want to use him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But again, he's been out of football for a year. He's 31 years old. You've got uh, a young guy in O.J. Howard there. You've got a guy in Cameron Bright who has been 
a very steady presence for you over the last few years and how exactly these guys share the available snaps and whatever targets are available. That seems sort of murky to me right now. I'm, I, I can't really figure that one out. That one is what I've been trying to wrap my head around. And I don't, I don't have an answer right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, we, we have a, a few of those situations like in Cleveland as well, where yes. you've got a lot of talent there and who's going to be commanding the most down. And at the end of the day, it's going to be, who's getting open, uh, you know, because you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, he, he's going to be throwing the guys that are open. Hopefully he's going to have more time to, to actually like go through his progressions and make good, good, accurate throws because the offensive line seemingly gotten much better in the off season with the addition of Jack Conklin uh, and, uh, and through the draft as well. So, a lot of it also depends on the quarterbacks, but like, you know, I mentioned in LA, are they going to be running more 12? Are they going to go back to running 11? They brought in Van Jefferson, a lot of things that we need to sort of watch, especially during the preseason, uh, assuming we do have a preseason, which I think we will uh, to, to see sort of, you know, which way these teams are leaning on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, that, that is going to be the biggest, you know, it's, with the Rams, it's so hard, especially because, you know, the last couple of years, Sean McVay is not putting his starters on the field at all, uh, which sort of makes it kind of hard to figure. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Matt Nagy says he is going to play his starters in the preseason. And I don't know if this has to do with not get, not having, you know, a, a normal minicamp schedule or what have you. But he says he regrets not playing his starters last year. So he's mm-hmm. going to play them in the preseason. I know for the players, from their standpoint, it's not great. For us, you know, who are just greedy information hounds, uh, like that's that's awesome because we want to see how these guys look, how many snaps they're getting. We want to just get a sense of, of how they're working together. So I guess kudos to Matt Nagy for that. How much are they going to play, though? I mean, like, let's be honest. That's so. true. That's fair. Um, so maybe they play a quarter uh, and then they, mm-hmm. they sit down, they shut it down for, for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know? yep. um, is there a tight end that you are most looking to target in 2020? So – my strategy is almost always the same and you know what it is, right? Like, so, you know, once I get into that six, seven, eight sort of area, that's when I'm looking to see where I'm going to draft my tight end. Uh, And and typically if if a really good quarterback drops to me, maybe I'll go there, but typically I don't do that. So like in my drafts, I've been getting a bunch of Hunter Henry. I've been getting a bunch of Evan Ingram. uh, I've been getting a, a, a bunch of uh, Higby as well. But in terms of guys that I'm targeting, based on potentially unearthing that late round gem, Gesicki and Hurst are the two guys. If I want to go a little bit deeper, uh, you could look at Noah Fant in Denver, although with the additions they made through the draft, that concerns me a little bit. And then going a little bit deeper, as I talked about, Ian Thomas, uh, Chris Herndon as well. Yeah, I would say that the the three guys that I have been most on uh, are have been Fant, Gesicki, and Hurst. Uh, which, you know, co- coincidentally on Fantasy Football Calculator, their ADPs line up one right after the other. That's uh, so that sort of works out. But those are the guys that I, I really have had my eye on this year. Uh, but I, I am willing to sort of be flexible. I do know the odds of me getting Travis Kelsey or George Kill are probably slim to none just because I don't. Exactly. I understand. Look, I understand the value of getting those guys because, as you mentioned, they they seem to be the the two locks, barring injury, to to remain in the top two or three spots at the tight end position this year. I, I just feel like I want to go somewhere else with my draft at the time those guys are coming off the board. So I I will probably never have either one of those 
uh, one of those guys on my team. Well, what are you thinking about Hawkinson, though? Because Hawkinson was like the big guy last year coming out of college, out of Iowa. People were comparing him to Gronkowski. And, you know, tight end, typically in the first season, they they struggle. Uh, even some of the greats did nothing as, as rookies. Right. And I feel like Hawkinson's being somewhat overlooked because of what he didn't do as a rookie. Right now, I have him ranked 14th, so he's a tight end, too. In that offense, assuming Matthew Stafford can play. By the way, did you see Stafford's house? No, I haven't seen God. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> not to get off topic here, but his house is for sale. Right. Holy geez Louise, that thing is sick. Like he's got his dining room mm-hmm. and a glass floor, and underneath it is like a wine cellar. Like go go and Google I'm, it. I'm like, I'm Googling this right now. <laughs> like there's real estate websites that have like all the it's bananas. Anyways, what do you feel like with Hawkinson though? Because it, it, you think he's going to take the next step or is it going to take another year? Because clearly he's got the talent. And if Stafford's back under center, he could end up being the third guy in terms of targets in that offense. Yeah. I still feel like his ceiling, I mean, like, like 10, like, you know, somewhere at the eight to 10 range uh, overall is maybe his ceiling this year. And I just think because this offense isn't what it used to be, this isn't the offense, even a couple of years ago when Stafford was healthy, they're not having him stand back there and throw the ball 600, 650 times. You know, like when, when he was setting, you know, passing attempt records year after year after year, this offense just isn't that anymore. And so the volume is going to make it hard, especially when you have a lot of targets already going toward Kenny Galladay, going toward Marvin Jones, who we talked about earlier in the week and what, uh, you know, what he offers in that offense. The fact that they still have to figure out how to work in their two running backs that they've got. And Hawkinson will get in there. He'll get his opportunities. But I just don't expect him to come out and be a target monster this year in that passing game. And so I think, you know, if he gets somewhere in 8 to 10, I think uh, then he had a very, very good year, probably a little bit above what I would expect from him. But I think you said you have him at 14. I feel like that's reasonable. I think I think the, the more logical finish for me for him is somewhere around maybe 12 13 something like that anyway so mm-hmm. that's 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 sort of my thought that's i guess that makes him what a, a tight end too basically yep yeah um, exactly all right uh last thing which guy or which tight end do you have a hot take about or what is your hot your tight end hot take for this year i think mike Kosicki and hayden hurst are both going to end up being top 10 tight ends okay i really do uh, i really do Gesicki entering what his third year Mm-hmm. And Aiden Hurst, who has been a bust for all intents and purposes based on where he was drafted in the first round by the Ravens, uh, I believe it was 2018. Mm-hmm. I feel like these guys are in really good positions to succeed, really, really good positions to succeed uh, in 2020. The Dolphins will be better. Uh, hell, they could contend for the AFC East. Like, And that's yeah. that, that's not a crazy take considering no. what the Patriots uh, are, are, are have sort of become. And Aiden Hurst – Listen, man, it's never been about the guy's talent. It, the, the Ravens had about 700 tight ends on their roster the last couple of seasons, and he ended up being the guy that was the odd man out when Mark Andrews came in and, and sort of became the number one option. Sometimes a guy needs a change of scenery. He's been driving up to Atlanta to, to uh, catch passes with, with Matt Ryan uh, during this crazy COVID offseason. Mm-hmm. I really think he could end up being a, a, a very valuable asset. Uh, so my hot take is 
we're sort of overlooking Janu Smith right now. And uh, I, I think he could end up cracking the top 10 in terms of fantasy tight ends this year because they are still looking for other guys to throw the football to in that offense. And we all love A.J. Brown, and I think the sky is the limit for him in that offense. But again, we are also asking for that to happen. You need Ryan Tannehill to be incredibly efficient, especially going downfield like he was last year. Yes, there may be more volume for A.J. Brown, but that also means potentially more volume for John U. Smith. And look, to be a top 10 tight end, you don't have to have a, a gigantic season, right? So for Smith, uh, it could be a situation where he has 650 yards. He gets you five or six touchdowns. Uh, and that might be good enough to kind of crack the top 10 or at least knock on the door of the top 10. And so I think when you're talking about tight ends, especially guys late in drafts, guys that you can get off the waiver wire, uh, don't don't sleep on John New Smith. If you decide to wait on the position, I think that's an option for you down there. In, in, in I like that yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, no yeah. So John New Smith, uh, you know, especially now, you know, look, there's no more Delaney Walker in Tennessee. So there's got to be somebody to kind of pick up the flag and run with it. Yeah, you think so. about it. There's a, like Delaney Walker still a free agent. Jordan Reed is still a free agent. Yep. You know, there's there. I, I don't know if somebody wants to take a chance on some of those guys, but uh, there's some good veteran tight ends out there. Man, and I'll tell you what, and you've mentioned this before, too. I mean, with not being able to get in front of teams personally, right. with not being able to to get physicals and get checked out, mm-hmm. uh, that has gone a long way toward, I think, hurting some of these guys. I mean, Look at Cam, dude. I say well, Cam Newton is still a free agent. We're still Cam, we're, we're still Cam waiting. Cam is literally posting videos online to prove to teams that he's okay. It's right. almost like he's on a dating website and he's right. trying to he's trying to post his best pictures so he can get a potential suitor. Yeah. That's what it is right now. That's all that these guys can do. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, right now, I think a lot of a lot of GMs have been swiping swiping left. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's okay. That was a good one, man. That was yeah, good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, which you know what? I'm gonna go Costanza. Like this is where we leave now. I'm gonna yeah. walk out. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave on that. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and watching as always. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, everyone has a photographic memory. Some people just don't have film. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.